Good shit, man. So you know my uncle owns a bee farm over in Poland, and uh, so every no, I should you not. He like actually owns a bee farm. Like Dwight Schrute. Uh, did Dwight have bees? Bees. Bees like bees like that make honey. I think so. Yeah. Pretty I sure. don't recall. And we're like six episodes away from finishing that, by the way. But <laughs> yeah, my my uncle owns a bee farm, right. and so every year when like one of my parents goes, they always bring back like a couple jars of that shit. Mm-hmm. And dude, it is like I enjoy regular like store bought honey, but dude, the real deal is holy shit. You can't go, you know. I saw, I watched a uh, Joe Rogan episode with him and uh, James Hetfield from Metallica, and uh, James like is all about you know nature and stuff now. You know, not just about nature, but like um, self sustaining kind of a lifestyle so he has like animals on his on his ranch he lives in colorado now and he has the bee farm and all that good stuff and they had like a good like 30 minute conversation about bees well yeah because joe rogan's like your your nature man man he's like the the real life bear gorillas yeah he, but he's uh, also an mma fighter and a comedian yeah uh, i was i watched his new, his most recent stand-up on netflix and it cracks me up every fucking time yeah he, he has, has some, some quality bits i i feel like he really thinks this shit out you know yeah him uh we watched him yesterday we watched uh sebastian maniscalco i don't know if you ever heard of him uh, he's from Chicago, but he's like a really, he's, I don't know if you've probably seen it. You've probably seen it around. Whereas the guy who was talking about how we don't answer the door anymore, how we're afraid to answer the door. He, that was like one of his more famous bits. And it was, it was really fucking funny. Cause it's a hundred percent true. But, um, good copy, good copy. yeah, man, you know, well, even that, like we don't answer the phone anymore. If somebody like an unknown number yeah. calls you, just let that shit go to voicemail. Yeah. Uh, my thing is like, if it's important, you leave a message, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, absolutely. That's my thing too. But like. You remember when you had a house phone? You remember when you had like a landline? Yeah. And somebody would, would call and you'd fucking pick it up like the second you got over there? Like I yeah. used to race to the phone, you yeah, know? Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah, it was like, who's calling? Who's calling? But now it's like, uh, Now it's like, who the know. fuck's calling me, man? I don't know. I feel like if I say hello, like some robot's going to record my voice and then Skynet's going to come down and they're going to know me as the guy who, you know, ruined humanity. Absolutely. Right? It's a re- yep. rational fear. Yeah, pretty. it's pretty rational, I guess. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Gabe, you ready? Oh, uh, yeah. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode number 118. 118. Yeah. And we're back. Gabe's here. Uh, you know, we're back. And it's, a, it's I, nice out, man. It's, it's gorgeous. A bipolar ass day, though. It's, it was it, raining. Yeah. Um, I was out with the dogs, man, and like it got dark really quick. Like yeah. we went out five minutes later, it was like almost pitch black. I was like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. And then you went inside, and then five minutes later, it was completely sunny outside, huh? Uh-huh. That day, yeah, dude, because I went, to, I was at, I was by you uh, earlier this morning because I was helping clean out my grandparents' house. And um, it was like, like you said, like back and forth. It was like, oh shit, what the fuck? Yeah, like you know, we brought him inside. I was like, damn, it's gonna start thundering out. Yeah, and nope. Those poor folks at uh, open air getting the fucking shit shit out of the the week uh, with all the fucking storms and shit on the day that they want to go to a con- fucking concert festival. Yeah, but arguably we got one of the best shows, but one of the best lineups in Chicago history for quite some time last night. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately neither of us went. We'll get into that later though. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but um. Yeah, so we're back for another episode, and uh, obviously Gabe had Mother's Day off. I had the show with my mom, which I which always goes over pretty well. My mom is pretty good entertaining. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, and we always talk about different stuff, like me as a person. It's kind of funny. Oh, yeah? So yeah. you grow up? Yeah. So you record your life for the last four years? Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But um, So yeah, man, how was your week, buddy? How, what you guys do well, for- Well, two weeks, right? Two weeks, yeah. So uh, after one sixteen, which we recorded, a buddy and I, we, we actually went down to the sub-T, and we went to go see Sea Space Cowboy with uh, Wrist Meat Razor. I did my- Review of 
both their albums earlier in the year. You did. Uh, first things first, that sound guy at Sub T, whatever he's making, give that man a raise because both these bands have, I don't want to say complex sounds, but they have a lot going on at once. Mm-hmm. And you heard every part perfectly, dude. I, you know, it, it's just, it's almost like a miracle really for such messy bands with so many members and you can hear every ding chime and you know, yeah. And, and I feel like, especially after that night we played at, um, fucking Tinley lanes or whatever it's called centennial lane centennial lanes i just you know i have a thing with sound guys i have like a beef but this dude did a fucking great job man <laughs> and they really shone through that was a fun show yeah my buddy's first pit so how do you how do you do he did okay i told him elbows up if you don't want none of it yeah no no he's, you're right <laughs> oh, about that. one one more quick little thing about that that show right some kid showed up um looking super like professional he was wearing like a turtleneck and like these like black khakis i'm like dude who the fuck wears a turtleneck to a dirty grammy hardcore show right and um and when C Space Cowboy is playing, this dude was throwing roundhouse kicks in the pit. And I was like, all right, I take it all back. <laughs> you can wear whatever the fuck you want. Never judge a book by its cover. Yeah, man. And then we had a wedding on Friday. My buddy got married. And they had it at a... He said the venue was a warehouse, right? And I was like, oh, it's probably like a venue. And it was like a warehouse theme. No, this thing was genuinely a warehouse because there was a, like a railroad behind the venue. And you would hear the train like whizzing past. That's cool, actually. Gorgeous. Food was great. Great wedding. Nice little setup. I like it. Mm-hmm. Good shit. But yeah, it's like weird. I'm getting to that age where all my friends are getting like married. I'm sure you've been through it, if not going through it currently. But it's like mm-hmm. a weird age to be at, you know? Yeah. And you're here just trying to figure out what cheese that you want to eat with your sandwich, you know? Yeah, right. It's weird. Talking about what toppings you want on your pot belly sandwich. Yeah, that's weird. But it is what it is, man. Uh, how was your uh, Mother's Day? What you guys do? Good. We grabbed brunch. And then uh, literally as we're eating brunch, I get a call from uh, my sister and my brother. And they're like, hey, you guys think you could make it to our house for a barbecue at four? And I was like, what is with this last minute springing on us bullshit? And that's why I couldn't make it through. But I was like, dude, like if he would have said something yesterday, I'm sure we could have figured something out with the podcast situation. But nah. Yeah, I was telling my mom, I'm like, yeah, Gabe seems a little upset about it. He didn't like getting that. It's like I am literally in the middle of my good fucking brunch. I had I had a Greek gyro omelet. That shit was good. And then suddenly it's like, hey, wipe the plans for the rest of your day. Like, what did uh, what what you, you get that? Serious? What'd you get that omelet at? Oh, we got it at Maple and Jams. It's over in Burbank. Oh, okay. okay. Oak Park. It's okay. decent if you're ever over, over in the area. You want to check that out. I, I actually just recently discovered the Giro Omelette because the place by my work does it. Total hole in the wall place, but man, the Giro Omelette is so fucking good. There's uh-huh. something about that that meat, you know? I feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're back. My week, the same old stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't have to get into it. So, Gabe, you put this on the agenda under the notes. Oh, yeah. So, um, so for the agenda, we, we share a Google Doc. I figure it's just nice, simple, easy to edit. Mm-hmm. Nothing complex, right? And so if you ever used Google Docs, you could hit the history button and see all the changes ever made, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, huh, I wonder how long we've been doing this. And it's been two years since we've had an agenda. And I feel like this show has gotten some good structure, much needed structure out of the agenda. So we're celebrating two years of having an agenda. You remember the the original like the original format of it is that I would have every, all the notes to myself and I would present them to you guys as we go. Yeah, but th- even that yeah. didn't work because it'd spiral off into like these tangents and stories, and then no, no, I you know. wouldn't even get through some of your notes most of the time. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, well, that's just gonna get carried over to the next week. No, you're right, but I'm saying like, like you said, we've gotten like a whole new level of organized uh, over the last couple of years, so that's good. Absolutely, two years, man. Two two years of having an agenda out of the four we've done this. Yeah, man, it is what it is. But yeah, that's, so that's cool. All right, man. So speaking of agenda, man, we got a. F- Fat ass agenda. We got a we got a Reuben of an agenda. Yeah, we got this thing is this thing is gigantic. Obviously, taking the week off, uh, we have some stuff to talk about. So, 
I want to open up with a little doc I saw. Bio, biopic, I guess. No, a bio doc? I don't know what it biopic? is. Biopic? A Bi- documentary? It was a, a doc- docu-series. Yeah, it was, a, it was kind of like a documentary about Mr. Rogers. Cool. Right? Uh, I don't know if you've, you've probably heard about a little bit about this, but basically it's breaking down um, kind of him as a person, a little bit about his background. Uh, it had these weird kind of um, animations in between points where um, it would take kind of Mr. Rogers' story and make him one of his puppet characters. So he of, was his own puppet, kind of ordeal. Well, no, like he he was because like all the all the puppets on the Mister Rogers show were done by him. All the all the voices and all that. Okay. So like it would take the one that he everybody felt like he most related to, which was like the cat who was like really insecure all the time, and they kind of took him and made him kind of like the avatar for Mister Rogers and kind of explaining kind of his mentality behind the whole thing and how he valued um, children and how he felt like they were important and that how the world as ugly as it was at the time and it continued to get over time. Uh, that he felt like love and promoting love and educating children was the most important thing to the future. Um, so I broke down that a little bit, kind of some of the interesting things, because uh, he basically helped PBS get the funding that it needed. Um, he had like a like a sitting in front of Congress, and basically he had like this beautiful speech uh, that he that he talked out, and basically they looked at him because they were all very anti against him. Right, because they're like, man, this is like it's not important. This is before TV became what it became. It's not important. Like this, this, this doesn't need to exist. And like I said, he gave the speech, and basically they looked at him, and they're like, just so you know, you basically got the money that you need because of that. Wow, because <laughs> it was so well done. And uh, he was like, I, th- I think it's tremendously wonderful. Is basically what what he said. The the like the senator or whatever. So basically, all he did for ch- for television, kind of you know, him as a person. You get to talk to his kids a little bit. His wife, who's still alive. All right, and um. You get to know a little bit about him as a person, which I feel like we don't really get to know that about that about him. At yeah, that particular I feel like time. the show was never about Mister Rogers, but yeah. about all the friends and stuff, the lessons and everything he caught in between. You know what I mean? And um, it was awesome, and it, he, it was a real t- tearjerker, especially when he started talking about some of the kids who were sick who approached him, and um, they they showed uh, like a because he did like a speech at a college. Uh, and, um, basically one of the people came up to me and like, you know, I grew up on you and she like, she started to cry because this is when he started to get older. And obviously, um, you know, it was very emotional for her because I feel like, and this is legit, the world didn't deserve him. No, definitely not. He was such a kind soul and cared so much about other people. Such a diamond in the rough. Yeah. And think about it. You know, this dude could have ended up any which way because he was a, a Marine sniper, wasn't he? No, he was not. That was all, that was all false. Oh, that was all made he, up. Yeah. He was, uh, he was actually, I, um, he was actually going to go into religion. He was going to be uh, a theologist. Yeah. And like a, like a minister. And, um, but before he did that, he's like, well, let me give this TV thing a try. And then it kind of became his life after that. What th- that's true for um, Bob Ross. He was actually a Lieutenant in the air force. Um, but yeah, he very interesting guy. And uh, it's a very good profound look at his life and kind of this impact he had on TV. And uh, if you're even the slightest bit fan, if you remember staying homesick and those those days watching Channel 11 and have him come on, I'd recommend that you you check it out. Let's just uh, let's just take a moment to appreciate that we've lived through the Holy Trinity of uh, Mr. Rogers, Bob Ross, and Steve Irwin in our lifetime, and that's a great that's a great thing, isn't it? Yeah, three guys that genuinely gave a shit about people, the world, and everything on it. Yeah, and it was always important to them their perspective and how everybody thought, and to make sure everybody was okay. Because he said, even Mr. Rogers, he said, like, it's, it's okay not to be okay sometimes. You know what I mean? And that's the slogan for, like, every metalcore band now. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And um, it was great, man. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I think it's on demand. Dude, I, I most definitely would check it out. It's extremely interesting, and a great. they did a great job with it. So awesome, awesome stuff. Good copy. Good to hear that, man. Uh, 
guys like this need more exposure, really. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk some Spider-Man. Spider-Man, another hero we don't deserve. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Spider-Man Far From Home came out. Or not the came out, but the trailer came out a couple weeks ago at this point. Uh, spoilers, right? So, I saw. obviously, you've seen it now. Yeah. So, you, mm-hmm. you know what happens. And I'm sure the internet probably spoiled for you. Spoiled it for you anyways. But, um, so, this is following up after, um, you know, Endgame. Uh, it's kind of taking a profound look on Spider on the impact that it had on Spider-Man's life because obviously, again, spoiler alert, Tony Stark died. <laughs> yeah, he died in the whole thing, and um, it's kind of taking him. Like I said, it's kind of a uh, somebody who was mentied and kind of like taking it and flipping it on its head, and him kind of feeling the impact of that because a large portion of Endgame was Tony feeling remorse for losing the kid, right? And so now the roles are reversed, and he lost Tony. So he's kind of him coping with that um, and dealing with it and trying to get away a little bit, maybe kind of clear his head. But trouble seems to find him. Uh, they're on a field trip. And uh, it looks good, man. How'd you feel about it? Um, I like that we're approaching this with some... I don't want to say civility. I like that we're approaching this with some realism because PTSD is a real thing. Yeah. And just, you know, to think that if you're involved in the comic world and all this shit that goes on and to think that PTSD isn't a real thing and mental disorder isn't a real thing, I think would be negligent and in a way like discriminatory towards the real world. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that they're approaching that aspect of it. What I really do enjoy is that they're making Spider-Man the face of Marvel. Mm. I, I feel like you and I both thought that Captain Marvel was going to be like the new you know, face. But yeah. after seeing this trail, I was like, okay, they're pushing Spider-Man to the forefront where he should have been 10 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's nice. Um, I'm going to see this in theaters, man. I'm excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I actually grew up loving Spider-Man, and then I had a little falling out when all the Marvel stuff started coming in because, you know, we had that weird period of Spider-Man and shit like that. Yeah. But it, it's nice to see that he's getting the attention and respect that he deserves as a superhero because Spider-Man was Stan Lee's baby. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's a good way to end the, this current phase because it is the last one in this phase and the last movie announced for quite some time. I know they're going to probably pop out something next year, but nothing announced so far. Yeah, nothing bigger at least. Yeah, so I mean, I'm assuming they're going to have kind of an after credit and kind of leading into the future. But um, yeah, like you were kind of pushing this narrative where it's like, well, Tony's gone. So somebody's got to somebody's got to take up that, that, that space because, you know, somebody's got to sleep in the Avenger Tower. Yeah, somebody's got to do something because, you know, it is what it is. And obviously Mysterio... Uh, taking kind of an interesting uh, twist. On twist. The character, right? Well, yes and no, because if it's true, it's a twist. But for those who don't know Mysterio, he's a con artist, and it wouldn't be past him to just make all this shit up to make him look like a hero to actually be behind all of it. Absolutely. So that's kind of what I'm I'm thinking is where they're going with it. But you know, they they kind of open up the can of worms with the whole multiverse thing with the with Endgame. So I guess we'll see. I don't know for sure. That's just speculation on my part. Yeah, man. Bring but, out that Spider-Man villains gallery. Fuck. It's yeah. about time. We also saw Spy- uh, no- Noir Spider-Man. Yep. We got to see a little bit of that. That was fucking cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, what's his name? Tom Holland is, is, is really good. Very so, good actor. Yeah, he's very good. And uh, I think he's going to give it some weight. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. And then we have some more superhero talk with the Ted Bundy movie that dropped. No, that's <laughs> terrible. I'm sorry. sorry. No. But uh, so the movie was called Extremely Wicked, Checking Evil and Vile, which is a direct quote from the judge, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about this. Um, so first of all, Zac Efron is playing Ted Bundy. And yeah. when Maddie told me this like two years ago when they announced it, and I was like, ah, I don't see oh, it. Hell no. But yeah. then you saw the screen caps, and then if you saw the movie – Oh yeah. man, is that uncanny resemblance? Yeah, th- there's that, and it's not even just 
because like you said, I was in the same boat. I'm like, for real, we couldn't pick anybody better on the fucking planet. And, um, I watched it and obviously this is all from the perspective of the woman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the girl that he was kind of messing and the manipul- wife. Yeah, manipulating with the whole time. Basically, um, they made you believe even he though we innocent. know, yeah. yeah, we all know how Ted Bundy's a fucking, he, he did it what he did, but they did their damnedest to make you believe for a for little just bit. a second, just yeah. a sliver of a doubt that he did not do it. Uh, and that was like the whole point of the movie from her perspective, because she honestly didn't know. And, um, who would have thought that Zach Efron would have knocked the fucking role like this out of the park? Well, here's my thing. I first, um, cause obviously it's from high school musical. If you're around in the past 10, 15 years, you should know. Right. Uh-huh. And, Here's my thing. When he did um, his role as the frat boy in Neighbors, I, it kind of piqued my interest because he wasn't like your traditional frat boy, like Ugh, party. He was like a, like a, like a, like a Greek hero. He had a great flaw, and his great flaw was loving the fraternity so much and seeing all his bros grow up, and then he's left with nothing, right? Yeah. And he had a lot of charm, charisma, and and character to the traditional frat boy. And I know I'm overblowing one of his yeah, roles, a bit. <laughs> but but like you feel me though, right? Yeah, like, I get you. How many of the like Dwight Stifler, right? Kind of similar role. So very similar roles. But like what's super redeemable about Dwight? He cares about his friends. Yeah, but can't you say that about every frat boy? You know, whereas Zach Efron in his role was trying to preserve the community and blah, blah, blah. I just think he did a great job on that. Yeah. Um, in the context of this movie, he oh, he fucking knocked it out of the ballpark. Phenomenal role. Yeah. And then when you see the side-by-side pictures, not only do they get the look down, but they got the outfits down to, to a fucking tee. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. that uh, one where he's wearing the like super flowy cardigan that looks like a robe? Yeah, yeah. They match that thing to a fucking tee. They did that, and there was the one where he did like kind of the bearded interview. Yeah, there where I'm like, damn, they made him look so much like him. It's so disturbing. The only thing he was missing was the unibrow. Yeah, but but yeah, man, it was really weird, and especially when the credits roll and you see like the real footage, you're like, holy shit! Yeah, it, it wow. was incredibly interesting. And like I said, I'm giving him all the credit in the world because we wouldn't anticipate something like this from him. And um, I think he fits the role beautifully because he he's a good looking guy, right? Absolutely, yeah. There's no way around that. But um. And that's the whole Ted Bundy thing. That's why so many people are fascinated by it because this was a good-looking guy that could probably get any girl he wanted, right? Yeah. But yet he was driven to this madness and this killing and all that shit left yeah. and right. And so many people wonder why. Yeah. Because a lot of times you have these guys who, who you know, can't reproduce or guys who have always had troubles with their girls, their moms, whatever it may be, right? And then you have this kind of oddball that sticks out like a fucking sore thumb. This dude who could have had anything he wanted in the world. He was right. He was going to be a lawyer. Mm. You know, uh, like I mentioned prior, it's so strange to see a character like this end up being a serial killer because he doesn't fit ours or society's like mental image yep. and what a t- serial killer should have in their past, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. So there was that, and there, there was a line that I talked about this a little bit with my mom yesterday or last week where in the in the context of... Uh, when he was doing the interview, when he was bearded and they were talking about like, did you commit these crimes? First off, he didn't outright say no. He looked, he's like, he's like, yeah, like, like I stole a comic book when I was a kid. Right. Well, they asked if, are you guilty? Yeah. I believe that was a lie. Oh, yeah. 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 And he's like, yeah, I stole a comic book when I was a kid. And I told my mom that was the most intriguing thing about it. And I told Adrian when I saw it, I'm like, those two things, murdering people and stealing a comic book from a newsstand are equivalent in his head. Yeah. That's so, wild, isn't it? That, and that's those, that's like the sick, the most sick thing about it is that, like you said, this guy could have had the whole entire world if he wanted it. He could have, you know, because he was, like you said, good-looking guy, smart guy, obviously incredibly intelligent, extremely cunning, knew what he was doing. And uh, it's kind of weird because, like you said, we don't picture people like that doing it. And Zach Efron did a great job telling the story. Now, I understand why, but it was a little slow at parts, the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, but 
like it needed to be because it was kind of more more so a courtroom drama and we didn't really get a, a, a payoff to the more violent things until like the very end. Well, here's here's my thoughts on that. I thought that was perfectly well handled because so many people, I promise you, our significant others included, they like romanticize Ted Bundy in like a way, you mm-hmm. know, not so much I want to be with him, but like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So mysterious, intriguing. And I feel like if you would have added the gratuitous violence, it wouldn't have done anything but add to that. You know what I mean? You know no, what I mean? Yeah. You would have been like, oh my God, that's so brutal, but you're still watching. Yeah. And so I feel like because it was more centric towards a courtroom drama as opposed to like a gore fest, mm-hmm. I feel like that added a lot of realism to it, man. Because, yeah, you know, it, it's one thing to watch a zombie movie, yeah. but then it's another thing to watch a courtroom drama based on true stories. Yeah. And we got, you know, you got your your gore payoff at the end of the movie. Yeah. But I feel like if... If any more was added, dude, people would have just been like, dude, Ted Bundy was fucking awesome. And we don't need that because he wasn't. He was a terrible fucking person. Yeah. And it was that. And it was like uh, because it was trying to give you that like that that doubt. And even till the end, according to most people, he was denying it. It wasn't me. But when he's like, she's like, did you do this? Or how did you kill her? Or how did you do that? And he spelled it out. And he spelled out hacksaw. It's like, oh, shit. And then they show actually show him doing the violent act. And you're just like, wow, that was that was it was a good it was a good fucking movie, man. And I give them credit; they did a great job. Uh, how are we grading movies? Is this at uh, numbers? A, a to B. A to B. Um, a to F. I'm sorry. What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> a to B. Um, it's gotta be a solid like B plus A minus for me, man. Yeah. For a pseudo drama documentary, I thought it was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I'm. I'd put it right up there with the Queen movie, honestly. It yeah, this was really good. Yep, yep, yep. I, I'd agree with you on that. And uh, yeah. Netflix originals have been knocking it out of the park, man. They've yeah. been cranking out quality content, and that's love. Yep, absolutely. So good stuff. They did a great job. All Let's right. move along. So we got a movie coming along this September. Uh, movie I'm excited for. Did you see the teaser for this? I saw bits and pieces of it. I did not watch all of it because I'm slightly okay, afraid. So the movie, <laughs> you should be. The movie we're talking about is It Chapter 2, right? Yeah. And it's getting its proper sequel, and it's getting a proper format. And the whole teaser revolves around one of the girls coming back to um, wherever the fuck it was in Maine, right? Dairy, Maine or whatever. And she's talking to the lady that currently lives where she used to live. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about the situation, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, you know, my husband, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, what does your husband do? And she's like, oh, he was a circus clown. And then you slowly start to see everything. Like the whole scene just gets tenser and tenser. And pictures on the wall, you see like Pennywise's like face and like this old school, like 1800s drawing. And oh, dude, it builds so much fucking tension. This is this is the teaser of all teasers. I love it. This is okay. holy shit. So good. Holy shit. Gabe has a positive opinion about a movie trailer. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because here's the thing. It, it was one scene. It was one segmented scene. That didn't give anything away, and then it was like quick cuts to other like parts of the movie, and that's that's really well done because what do you see now? You see like uh, something narrating over it, like nothing will be the same, and you see action clips here and there and highlights of the movie, right? But this was one one take taken from one clip, right? Shortened down and added some spice, but dude, the tension was fucking tangible, mm-hmm. and I feel like you don't see this sort of approach to a lot of movies now. Cool, because you know what I'm saying, like the Avengers trailer, right? Action, cut, 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 action, dialogue, cut, you know, and then boom, three minutes, done. Yeah. Star Wars 2, Star Wars is super guilty of this for yeah. all the recent trailers. Yeah. Sit down and watch this, and you're going to be like, wow, was this teaser directed by Martin fucking Scorsese or something? <laughs> but I don't know, man. I thought it was really well done. I'm excited for this movie. As you know, I'm a big it fan because that movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> so you said it's coming out in September? September 9th, I believe, yes. Why is it coming out early September as opposed to early October? 
that's a good question, actually. I think the last one came out in September as well. Did it? Yeah, they both. Well, yeah, because the last one came out on my 21st birthday, and we went to go see it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I guess they're going for September. It has that like early fall feel. Yeah. I mean, it's better than August because I remember there was a phrase, uh, a phase a couple years ago where all the horror movies were coming out in August. It's like, bitch, it's fucking two months to October. What the fuck are you doing? I don't know. But yeah, so I, I'm interested. I, I, like I said, I saw snippets of it. I'm like, I'm not watching this by myself. <laughs> you know? So uh, there's that. Okay. Check, check it out, man. It's I'm really a, good. I'm going to have to do that. It's definitely on my, on my things to do list. Moving along. So we're just chugging through this shit. So obviously we knew when Disney bought Fox that they ended up throwing controlling 33% of Hulu, right? Well, hold on. Do it. Hold on. Hold on. It's freaking out. Hold on. It's freaking out of me, Gabe. Uh-oh. There, my bad. Is so, it caught up? Yes, yeah, my bad, folks. Uh, so it seems like Studio One has experienced a dropout. No, it didn't stop, but it says a dropout. Good thing I got a new computer. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. But uh, so yeah, uh, I guess overnight, a couple weeks or a couple of days ago, that they actually ended up. Buying 66% controlling interest of Hulu moving forward. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> Growing in size every day, man. Yeah, it's a little scary. It's yeah. I'm little... telling you, uh, we're going to... Who do you think is going to buy out who first? you think Amazon's going to buy out Disney or Disney's going to buy out Amazon? I, I don't think... Or you uh, think they're going to join forces? No, I, I think Disney's going to get Amazon eventually. I, I, cause think so. I Yeah, I mean... Everything Disney does, do, Disney does with class, Amazon's not the same way. Okay. So that's fair. Yeah. So I'm mean, that's why maybe, maybe I'm just a little upset. Biased. About, yeah. A little biased towards them, but still, uh, I think it's interesting. I mean, I don't really have money, any more little talking parts other than that, other than fuck, you know, what'll be really interesting if What's they that? decide to buy out Hulu completely and merge that with Disney plus, cause that would be definitely a service worth the pay. Yeah. That, I think that that was part of the, the, the intrigue of it all. But I thought that I had heard when they announced Disney plus that they were going to bundle it with Hulu and ESPN. So I don't know what what's the plan with that moving forward, but you know it's not a bad option, dude. Hulu's been doing a lot of bundles. Like if you have Spotify for students, you get Hulu for free. Yeah, it's not a bad deal. And there's a lot of good shit on Hulu, man. Yeah, man. As we, I guess we'll have to see what the, what the, what the future looks like moving forward. But a little scary. Very cool. What's this Mortal Kombat a ghost stuff? So I guess uh, New Line Cinema has given the green light officially to start filming. A new Mortal Kombat movie uh, directed by James Wan, who did Insidious. Uh, and I guess they're going to be filming in South Korea or something like that. Uh, Do we really need a new one? No. I, I was actually thinking about this the other day, right? Because somebody put up a poll of what is the best video game movie, and one of them was Mortal Kombat. The and, first one, yeah. And that was leading. And I was like, holy shit, have people not actually watched the movie? But Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, whoa, the first whoa. one, the very first one was yeah. okay. The first one's fine, yeah. Here's my thing, though. I don't think that Mortal Kombat as a media translates well into film as a media. You feel me? Do you feel me? Mortal Kombat is... What is it known for? Gore? Yeah. Violence? Yeah. And just gratuitous violence, right? Those things. Fatalities and all these cool characters doing ninja shit, right? I just don't think that the whole premise of a fighting tournament would translate well into... A movie. Now you could counter me with Karate Kid or a, literally a dozen fucking tournament movies, right? But it's like, how much do we care and give a shit about all these characters? Or which characters are going to get screen time, which people aren't? Because, frankly, I don't care for another Johnny, Sonya, Liu Kang story. I don't, you know? And we covered this in our Mortal Kombat talk, but then it's like, well, if you do a Scorpion movie, then all the Scorpion fans are going to rejoice, but all the Sub-Zero fans are going to go, what the fuck? You know, the Lin Kuei is much cooler than Scorpion. 
Yeah, and Jake's shaking his head over there, right? Point proven. Yeah. So the question is, what do you focus on, man? There's there's almost almost too much cool stuff and almost too much detail that you have to include in this. <laughs> yeah, and it just time. becomes a fucking mess. Yeah, like you're over spicing yeah. everything. Yeah, I'd agree definitely. I mean, I think they're I think they're just gonna do like a, a like a retcon first reboot first, you know, Shang Tsung's Island thing, which is fine. I mean, the first movie was good. I enjoyed it, though. Uh, I mean, to kind of address some of your concerns, I mean. They did Mortal Kombat without the violence with the first movie. I mean, it was a PG-13 movie. Solid enough movie. Great soundtrack. You know what I mean? You remember when uh, Scorpion's Spear opened like its mouth? You remember that? I remember yeah. that. Uh, this is a great movie. I, I enjoyed it. Maybe I'm just, like I said, looking through nostalgia glasses because I fucking watched the shit on repeat when I was a kid. But uh, I, I'm interested in it. If, it James Wan's, if James Wan is doing it, I'm interested in seeing it because uh, he's a interesting fellow and I like his direction for a lot of things. I think that a... Uh, like a Netflix series or something in that format, like a series would have been a better approach or even they better. They did that though. Yeah, I know. But even better than that, uh, a well done animated series because animation is becoming the medium to go to. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the conquest wasn't bad by the way. Mortal Kombat. What conquest is that? What it's called? I think that's what it was called. It was, was a darker series that the, on, on TNT. I can't they, remember what it was called. Yeah. They had, they had a, sh- uh, it wasn't bad. It was just, they didn't give it really a chance to grow, and this is around the time where Mortal Kombat started to become oversaturated, and everybody was kind of getting sick of it. Yep. This is like round three, between three and four, and this is when everybody's like, okay, let's, you know, what's what's new? But you know? we, we mention it all the time. There's only so much that you can fit into a two-hour movie, and I can't imagine the movie's going to be more than two hours, right? Yeah. Um, Why not do a fucking episodic thing and fit 10 hours of content into 10 episodes or 12 episodes? They, they tried that, too, with the, with the, with the web series. I'm telling you, man, I just don't think that this is the right way to approach it. Which wasn't bad either, by the way. <laughs> the web series wasn't No, bad. the web series was actually pretty good. Yeah. It's probably the most, I don't want to call it authentic, but the most. It's pretty close. It was the best adaptation. Let's call it that, right? Yeah. The best adaptation of Mortal Kombat that's not a video game. Yeah. And it was, uh, they made like the whole Luke King a villain thing, which I thought was pretty interesting. Did you, Luke, did you, did you yeah. saw that? Yeah. It Luke, King, cool. Luke King is a villain at heart, man. We all are. Yeah, for sure. It all sounds freaking out. Yeah, but yeah, freaking out. but just you know, I just movies and Mortal Kombat. I think it's just too much to translate over. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. We'll see what it looks like moving forward. I- I'm gonna watch it anyways because I'm a fucking fan. I can't help it. But it is what it is. Next up, so speaking of fucking shit that makes the internet upset. So I guess Matt Reeves, who was the director of the next uh, Batman flick, Bat flick. No, wait, that was, that's a, something else. Um, has announced his front runners for um. The new bat, right? And the rumors are currently, and I don't know if this was confirmed yet. I've seen people say it was confirmed. I've seen people say it's not. But basically, Robert Pattinson, aka Twilight Boy, uh, is basically the front runner to be the new Batman. Hear me out. I think he'd make a good Bruce Wayne. I don't okay. think he'd make a good Batman. Okay, that's fair enough. I agree. But I, I'm gonna say this to you now: if they come out with a Batman movie and he's Batman, I'm not watching it. That's fine. You don't have to. I think it's going to alienate a large portion of the of the population. You, you don't have to watch all of the Bond movies to get the feel of it, right? Right? To get the general gist? Depends on the Bond. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on the Bond. Yeah. And I think Bond and Batman share a lot of the same characteristics, movie-wise, right? Uh, you you mentioned that I like to say that Batman is very malleable. and <laughs> Yeah, your malleable is a fair word. Um. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any other movies with this dude in it. I don't know what his acting ability is. I can't speak on that. Um, and if he really is the front runner, then I guess you got to have a really good story and a really good villain because you got a lot to compensate for right off the bat. Whoa, you're clipping. Clippity, oh. clip, clip, clip. That was weird. Um, no, it wasn't. 
Well, first off, apparently it's going to be Catwoman and Penguin, which we've already fucking done together. Okay, are we in the 90s again? Yeah, together we've done that before. Bring back Schwarzenegger and call yeah. it a day. Yeah, right? I don't, I'm not interested in that. Can we get Black Mask, Clayface, you know, Deathstroke? Anybody? Calendar Man? Yeah, any, anything, really. Because, like, you... you the, you can't do Penguin without making him funny in, in this day and age. You can't do like Burgess Meredith Penguin, where unless you're doing Gotham, who did Penguin, right? But um, you know, I don't know. Well, he apparently he's a front runner. They had Nicholas Holt who did uh, Beast. And, and I like Nicholas Holt a lot. Yeah, he's not bad. And uh, what's his name? Aaron Taylor Johnson, who was Kickass. Okay, uh, very he's, cool. He'd be a good fit. Uh, I like uh, what's his name, James McAvoy. I think he could pull it off. I think he's a little too small though, size Maybe. wise. I think he 100% pulls off Bruce Wayne, and I think he has yeah. enough kind of, uh, I don't want to call it suave. What's the word I'm looking for? I think if you put a, a rubber bat head over him, it'd look fine. <laughs> <laughs> Things that Gabe thought he would never say. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see what there, There's a lot of contenders out there, right? Yeah, we'll have to see what happens moving forward. But I know that the internet threw a, ship, a shit storm over it. Um, you know what I'm curious of? What, what, what kind of what version of bats is this going to be? Somebody said it would be cool if they did had him be Terry Terry McGinnis. I would be okay with that if he was Terry McGinnis, Batman, not Bruce Wayne, Batman. I'd be okay with that. You know uh, what's his name? Twilight Boy. He'd make a decent Robin. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. He'd make a decent Robin. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. But he's not. First, uh, I mean, I, again, I haven't seen him in a while. I've seen his old some of his other films. He had one memorable performance from by me, and that was in the movie Remember Me, and that was because the ending was really heartbreaking. Oof. Uh, you ever see that? No, I have not. Okay, so let me let me set the stage. Basically, it's like a whole like romantic movie where like they cannot they can't be together, but they're happy, but they're trying to be happy, but they can't be together type of situation. And they're deciding, you know, like you know what, we're gonna meet up with each other. Uh, meet me here at my dad's office on this day, and it fucking turns out that the day that he's meeting up with her is September 11th in 2001 in the World Trade Center. Oh my god! Yeah, and that's like the the final punchline of the movie, and, and like she's on the way walking over there, and the fucking building's on fire. So uh, that was like the, the good, the, the final fucking scene of that movie. And I'm like, okay, that was effective. <laughs> that but, was fucking brutal. Huh? Yeah, that, that was hardcore. But um, I don't know. I, I <laughs> We're going to have to wait and see. That's all we can do I, at this point. I'm just in denial. We, we had our reservations about uh, the new Joker, but I thought, I think that was, I think we're both excited. We had some thoughts brewing, and we weren't sure. I, I, I will, I will you say. You were on board. Yeah, I was on board, and you were not so much on board, but now you're on board. So I guess we'll have to see what happens. I think I, the world is on board at this point. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what happens moving forward, but that's just something that I wanted to talk about. All right, so we burned through movies pretty fucking fast. All right, let's talk some gaming. Uh, and, of course, we can't. it's been, what, a month now? We can't go a week without talking about Mortal Kombat, so let's talk about these NRS allegations. And they actually made it into two topics this week. Go figure. Oh. <laughs> so, basically... Um, You've talked about it many a times about how when it comes crunch time at developers, when it's time for a game to get packaged and ready to go, basically you're working like 90-hour weeks, right? We've talked about this. Uh, apparently, some of the contracted workers at NetherRealm are very unhappy because they were not particularly satisfied with the way they were treated uh, during the creation of Mortal Kombat 11. Um, now, I, I'm going to hold all judgment because I was not there. I cannot tell you what I saw. But from what you and I have described multiple times, this is kind of industry standard. When it comes to a lot of these games where when things get real, you're working a lot of hours. I mean, as far as the treatment, I mean, th- those sound horrible. I mean, if it's true, fuck them. You know what I mean? In but, the IT world, everybody's a dirty slut. Yeah. So um, I don't know what I meant by that. I yeah. just wanted to say no, it. I figured. Uh, from what the big allegations I'm hearing are coming from are coming toward uh, Sean Hemrick, who is the head of studio, right? 
Uh, so he's done all like all the he's like the liaison between Warner and Boone, basically. Okay. So um, you know, Boone being the creative head of creative head of the studio. Um so apparently he's kind of a dick and he was talking to people in ways they shouldn't be treated. Um, but it's funny because some of the allegations are like, well, he, it's a sexist work environment. I think it's funny because I do see kind of a, um, a counter to that is that they put a girl out front during uh, some of these presentations, like at, at festivals and stuff like comic cons and stuff like that. So like, okay, if you think we're sexist, here's the one girl who works in this department and let's her talk about fatalities. Like I thought that was kind of funny because it is a kind of a counter, but it's like, okay, if she's one of how many, you know what I mean? Putting a bandaid on something that needs stitches. Yeah. Again, I I, I wasn't there, so I can't tell you, but I just kind of wanted your opinion on it because I know you're, you're in the it world, so you get it, but um, too far, not enough. What's going on? I think that this crunch time ordeal has become, has gone way too far. I feel like it's become a standard now. Mm-hmm. And every time a AAA title is released, you hear that all, all these disgruntled employees or I didn't get a bonus or, you know, we got laid off right after the game got dropped, whatever the situation may be, right? I think that this has gone way too far because when we were growing up, I feel like it was a lot of these blue-collar union workers that were like, dude, they're treating us like shit at work, blah, blah, blah. And now the union guys are living, you know, nicer, smoother. And we've come to the point where the guys who are making the products that we love and care about and taking care of the IPs that we're invested in, they're getting dicked on. And it's really sad. And, you know, being a software developer as I am, I understand this shit is stressful. It's it's a big fucking puzzle. And if you don't like puzzles, I don't like puzzles. It's a, it's a hellhole. It really is. But it, it's kind of sad because I don't know what their time management is like. But with any big project, I can only imagine there's going to be a crunch. But there's no reason for it to be you know, months and months in a row. Yeah. It's kind of sad. I get if it was like a week or two, like, Hey, we got to pick up the pace, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, but think about working like 90 hour weeks for like a month straight. Fuck that. I had a buddy work 50 hour weeks. He actually just got off and we worked it for eight weeks straight, 50 hour weeks, Monday to Friday. Yeah. That's and a, that's brutal. Yeah. He was like emotionally drained. Like his soul has left his body type of shit. <laughs> no, I, I get it. Um, I don't know, man. I guess take care of your employees, man. That's that's the only thing you fucking need to do. If you're gonna have them work overtime, either pay them OT pay, or do something for them at the end. Yeah, especially when the game's done, you know. It's you know. especially if it gets fucking raving reviews, like yeah. Mortal Kombat did. Yeah, they there was they had initial launch issues with the whole loot box system, the, this and that, whatever. It was it was you know um, the, 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 the word I'm looking for. Help me out here. Quick fix. It was addressed. Okay. There we go. It was addressed, right? Yeah. But other than that, this game has gone smoothly. Yeah. It's so why a, not reward your employees? Dude? Yeah, be like, all right, take two weeks, paid, have fun. That's what I would do. Or to, even, fuck, dude, even take a Monday off. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, you know what? The game launched, no issues, take Monday off. Yeah. See you guys Tuesday. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Again, we have, it's gonna kind of radio silent on this front, so I'm kind of interested. I'm going to have to do some research and see what's going on with that whole thing. But, I'm telling uh, you we're going to hear lots and lots more of this as time goes on. Uh, speaking of issues with developers, I don't know if you heard this because this is something that just came out. So you know how Call of Duty had the three developer cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> obviously the next is Infinity Wars thing. They're probably going to be doing Modern Warfare 4. We don't know nothing, nothing about that. But COD 2020 was in the hands of Sledgehammer, right? They're, they're the next up at the bat after Infinity Ward fucks it up like they always do. Uh, but basically, this is what happened. Apparently, Activision took a stop by the studio, uh, took a look around, see what they had working forward, and have decided to pull the plug on Sledgehammer's 2020 Call of Duty. What? But here's the problem. They're pulling the plug on it, but instead of being like, we just won't do it this year, they're like, Treyarch, 
They're taking the oh my god yeah they're like you got to disrespect is real yeah like you got to come in and fix this you oh my god Treyarch's gonna break the cycle yeah there's it's that and Treyarch who's still trying to support their game which wasn't which maybe you know critically it was okay but didn't sell a whole like like Call of Duty used to they're trying to keep their game going now I think it's gonna be a snowball's chance in hell that Black Ops Four gets any more updates because their whole team is gonna be working on. Or even if it does get updates, it's going to be once every four months. Yeah. So um, that's rough, man. That's real rough. Apparently, they already not. They're like, okay, because I guess Treyarch, you know, being kind of how they are, they started maybe developing ideas for the next one down the line. Because I think that's kind of natural for all game developers to start thinking about what's next. Basically, they're like, all right, if we're in this spot now, Black Ops Five is coming out next, uh, and we have an idea. We're going back to the Cold War. Is basically what they said. Um, Why not do a Hunger Games style? For a fourth dev, not to be in the cycle, but like for a one-off game, you have people submit their ideas and shit. Because you know who'd eat that up? Respawn Entertainment. <laughs> they probably got a lot on their plate. I just think it's a cool idea. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate though, man. Yeah. Because Sl- Sledgehammer, they've made some decent Call of Duties. They made Advanced Warfare, which I liked a whole lot. World uh, World War II, I liked. I thought it was good. Uh, but apparently, like I said, the, 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 the people at Activision were like, this, is, this isn't what we had in mind. And not enough loot boxes. Yeah, not enough loot boxes. Um, so you want to make a single player campaign focused Call of Duty? How dare you! All right, you guys are done. Yeah, on the plug. So uh, hopefully, I mean, I'm a Treyarch fan. Hopefully, this doesn't affect the quality that Five Black Ops Five is going to be. Um, I guess we'll have to see you know, moving forward. But if, a little scary. If I was Activision, why not make a super group of del- developers and leads and all this stuff from each company well i know that because of this kind of the sh- the, the shrinking of the time frame uh-huh. that sledgehammer is still going to be working in support with them and so is raven software will also be working in support of I forget they always contract them out too. yeah raven software yeah raven software is kind of that is kind of the, the the quiet fourth developer because they help all of them they help every single one of them so um but it's funny because i knew what before they added sledgehammer it was between raven or sledgehammer who was going to get that that third spot but sledgehammer went out it's kind of kind of sad i mean i feel bad for them um but like i said i know it's going to kind of shrink the timeline with the next call of duty amen corporate greed knows no bounds yeah man and um i want to see sledgehammer do something different yeah i mean who knows maybe you know maybe just just take the kick from activision and do something else yeah, but I think they're afraid to lose their funding like that, though, because they're... they're I, know, I totally understand. Yeah, they're an off-branch of Activision, so... I totally understand that, but... Oh, well, what are you going to do? Call of Duty is going to keep coming out, and we're going to keep shitting on it. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. What's next up on the agenda, right. my friend? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, next up, we got... Ooh, big one, big guy. So, this is something that's been talked about for, like, what, five years now, right? <laughs> yeah. This is prob- This was announced when the PlayStation 4 was announced, wasn't it? I believe so, I, yeah. I could have swore to God it was, or maybe the year after. Final Fantasy VII's remake. All right. So this is something that we. I think I, I tagged you in a meme one time where it's SpongeBob saying, where the guy from SpongeBob's like, hey, I'm getting my re-, This is the Resident Evil thing. Hey, I'm getting my remake. I just, oh, yeah, got, I remember this I just got my remake. And then it was Cloud. It's like, hey, I'm getting my next. Hey, I doubt it. Like that whole thing. <laughs> so we finally seen some footage from this fucking thing. Have you seen this? Yes, it looks really good. It looks fucking fantastic. I don't even know what to say. They blew me away a little bit. Well, Not when even- you jump from... PS1 to PS4 <laughs> graphics, you better fucking blow me away. Oh, uh, you know how game it is, It looks guys. good, man. We should, uh, I feel like we should get rid of some of those, like, old nasty mechanics. Like, I feel like the whole 
walking 10 steps and encountering a fight every should be brought down just a little well, bit. It seems like a more of like a fluid kind of up to date version of the final fantasy thing that they've been doing recently. It's not so you. much like kind of a Arcanist. your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. It's not so much like that. Uh, it looks kind of more of a fluid thing, which I think is cool. It looks good. Um, I'm excited. Final they, fantasy seven is the one I spent the most time with. Yeah. Apparently we're getting some more news about it in June, which would probably mean a release date. I would imagine. Right. The release date, probably a proper trailer. Yeah. An in-depth look on engines, shit like that. Yeah, man, because the fucking... I think we talked about it last time, but the PlayStation State of Play thing, last the last time they did it was like, what the fuck is this shit? It's all like independent developers and stuff like that. Who cares? You know what I mean? But these, this one was fucking really good. They had a whole bunch of good stuff. They had like Medieval on here, something else on the lineup that we're going to talk medieval. about in a minute. Medieval. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I remember those games. Yeah. Are we getting a Medieval remake? It's, yeah. Yo. Yeah. It looks good, too. I told my wife. I watched it because I'm like, dude, this is totally something you would play. She's like, let me see. She looks at my I love medieval. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I'll play it. I'm like, so. all right. I feel like eight again. Yeah, very cool. So they got that coming out, and like I said, a couple other things that we have coming up on the agenda that they announced at the state of play, and it's like, wow, thanks, Sony. Wow, yeah, they're, we- they're really putting a lot of love into the end cycle. Yeah, so that's cool. So talking about Tom Clancy. So new Ghost Recon, Ghost Recon Breakpoint looks based in realism because of course it is. It's Tom Clancy. Uh, I liked. The Ghost Recon property. Uh, I played Future Soldier. I think was the last one I played. It was on the PS3. I liked it a whole lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. I wasn't so much into um, Wildlands. Was that what's called? Oh, the the latest one. That yeah, he plays. Yeah, that's I, 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 I wasn't really big on it. Um, but at least this one looks like more of a strategic kind of a thing. And obviously, Tom Clancy Ubisoft does strategic shooter very well. Um, so hopefully, uh, it's more Future Soldier like. Uh, like I said, I don't know if you played it. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I guess we'll see what it's like moving forward. It's super gritty looking, though. Bring back Splinter Cell. That, too. Uh, That's be- probably my favorite Tom Clancy sub-property. Even over Rainbow? In in Over the years, yeah. Because Rainbow Six has only been out for, what, four years now? No. Oh, no. Rainbow Six as a whole has been I'm out. sorry. Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, Siege. Yeah. No, I, I take Splinter Cell over the Rainbow Six line. Really? With it's the like exception a- of maybe a handful of games, but yeah. Okay, that's true. All right, yeah, so uh, it looks good, and I guess we'll have to see what it looks like. I'll keep an eye on it moving forward and keep you guys updated on what's going on with that. Very cool. Next, speaking of shit that I'm interested in, because this shit kind of fucking got me all sorts of excited, uh, on the state of play, PlayStation announced Predator Hunting Ground, which is going to be an asymmetrical first-person shooter based in the world of Predator. So basically take that uh, that formula that was given in... Uh, Evolve. Not well evolve and um, Turok, Turok and Friday Friday the Thirteenth. Take that and throw it into this kind of pot, and it's an asymmetrical multiplayer game where somebody's going to play the predator and everybody else is going to be the prey, and uh, who wins wins. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. I think they're going to do a good job with it. Sounds good, man. Uh, I think the Predator property is probably one of the better ones to do it with. Yes. Also, what could have worked is very easily Alien. (laughs) Alien. (laughs) No Rainer. Yeah. No Rainer on that one. And you could sell DLC and have it. predator be like one of the dlc i'm sure alien will make an appearance in this game um yeah dude that sounds good is it a shooter or do we know anything it's about sh- it yet? yeah apparently it's a first person shooter uh but if they're focusing more on some of the tactical because obviously if it's like a call of duty then i think it's very Not unfair. Gonna make any sense yeah it's very unfair and it will probably won't fit that but if it's more of a tactical i watch your back you're watching my back kind of a situation then i think it's going to have this very tense moments which i'm excited for because uh, i don't feel like gaming outside of like siege and like those really dirty rounds of Mortal Kombat are missing kind of that 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 feeling of you know what I mean of we're on thin ice yeah kind of a situation so 
I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. Very cool. Looking forward to that. All right. What is up next? We got The Last of Us 2 in Final Development Stages. Yeah. So the co-director of The Last of Us has said that, yep, we're running the corner on this thing, which means... Soon. Soon. November this year. Yep. I'm lining up with you on that one. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be the fucking bomb. A highly anticipated game, probably. Probably... Probably the last big huzzah on this generation of gaming. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens Looking forward, moving moving forward with it. But probably since the last Last of Us came out, my high, most highly anticipated game, probably. You know it's going to be good? Those promos and commercials that you're going to be seeing nonstop? Yeah. Because PlayStation promotes the fuck out of their IPs? Yeah. The, the, their own in-house shit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at, we'll see what it looks like. I mean, they had a, we've seen some trailers before. We saw the one with, with Ellie. Well, we saw the first original one with Ellie and Joel, and it was all CGI or, you know, all that. But uh, And then the second one, which didn't have the, either of them, which was I think is interesting uh, because, you know, we'll, there's a new cast of characters that we get to fucking have our heartstrings pulled on when they die. Um, and then, um, you know, the, the last one with Ellie running around and fucking murking people like a savage. Big excite. Big excite. Yeah. Early contender for game of the year if it drops this year. If, if it drops, yeah. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but man, I'm excited. Uh, I'm giddy about it. So excellente. Hopefully it works out. Let's play some podcast games. You're right. All right. So we have agree or disagree. Uh, let me see if I, I don't think I only wrote down like two. Hold on. I'm at by it. Okay. I only have one. Uh, this was one that me and Adrian had a serious conversation about the other day. And I want your opinion on it. Can a sandwich be dinner? Why wouldn't it be able to be dinner? Because is it? Because a sandwich, by its nature, uh, I mean, depending on how, how hard you go with your sandwiches, it's like a snack. Is it not? It's, it's more well, of a lunch? Well, hear me out. It can be a snack. Uh-huh. Because there's people like my parents who will put butter on a loaf of bread and call it a sandwich sometimes. Uh, and then there's people who stack that shit high. And there's people who put all sorts of crazy mustards on there. And there's people who take care in making their sandwiches. I think it depends what you put on it. But, okay. Um, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of a sandwich, though. You want a PB and J before you go to work. Have a PB and J before you go to work, or you know, if you're like me, and sometimes you want something big and hearty, put some meatballs in your fucking, mm. put some meatballs in your French baguette. Yeah, because I, what were we talking about? I think it depends on the roll. Because if it's on white bread, I don't think so. But if it's like a sub roll or like a bread roll, yeah, absolutely. yeah, then it can be. And the, I mean, I'm gonna take a word from you. I think the sandwich is very malleable. There, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> it, it can be a snack. Yeah. It can be a snack. And then it bread is important, right? I'll, I love, I'm a sucker for white bread, but then you could also have toast instead of bread, right? And that adds a whole nother layer. You can have an open face sandwich or a closed sandwich. There's just all these elements that go into it, but it absolutely can be dinner. I think if it satisfies you enough, it can be a whole meal. Make a, make yourself a good sandwich and some tea and that's your good night meal. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, Cause I'm in, I'm in the agree camp on that one. But um, but your wife isn't. Yeah, Adriana's like, eh, I mean, heretic. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. But uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. No, I, I mean, she's probably in the disagree camp because she's probably like my parents puts you know slather some butter on it and she's like, yeah, it's dinner. Yeah, it can't be dinner. It's butter and bread. Yeah, no, you're probably right about that. But I just thought it was funny because speaking of which, I mean, this is totally unrelated. But uh, so we do blue apron every mm-hmm. now and then, right? Every week, we're like, okay, we like what's on the week, we'll do it, right? So this week, Adriana made a. A steak that had maple syrup butter on it. Okay. And a biscuit that was like a Cajun biscuit. And that shit was the best Blue Apron meal I've ever had. And they've had some good stuff. We've had like Korean pork tacos, which was fucking fire. Dude, it was so good. And I'd recommend it. Good copy. Good copy. 
Yeah, so that was my agree, agree or disagree. I'm going to try to... So, so really quick, on. I want to sum that up. A sandwich <laughs> will serve you as long as you are willing to serve it. It will give you as much out of it as much as you put into it. You put good effort into a sandwich and it will be a great meal. Yeah. 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 I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, that's fair. That's 100% fair. So, yeah, that was fun. All right. All right, uh, so we got another game. Uh, we did this because we were discussing Upon a Burning Body single two weeks ago. Yes, we So were. we're doing directors, movies, as song titles. I actually got a couple lined up. You want to go first? I got we'll, – we'll alternate because I got one. Um, now, the majority of his stuff would be a great a great song title, but there's a couple in there you're like, huh. Eh. I got David Fincher. Nice. David Fincher, Alien 3, which doesn't make much sense because it's outside of the context of it's a movie. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Seven. I think it's a cool name. The Game. Mm-hmm. Fight Club, okay. Panic Room, which I, this is already a couple, you know. Zodiac, uh, and this is another one that doesn't really make sense. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, but again, that's you awful. can make that work. Yeah, I guess you can make it work. Attila can make that work. <laughs> the Social Network, which it could work. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl. And now with this, I realized that it's been a long time since David Fincher directed a movie because Gone Girl was in 2014. That was the last one he did. Yeah. Have you seen the international version of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's, it's good. It's proper. It's well, really proper. I, I like the the, the the American, or I guess the, the American one oh, a Daniel lot. Craig? Yeah, I like that one a lot. So, you know. Good copy. Um, so my first director is actually going to be uh, Wes Anderson. I thought it was kind of an oddball one, but uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom. Isle of Dogs, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is your party song right there. Uh-huh. Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and the Royal Tenenbaums. I thought those were pretty interesting song titles. Maybe not for a metal band, maybe for like an indie band. Yeah. So I got a few more. Uh, this one is from Wes Craven. Nice. So nice. The Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, Deadly Blessing, which I had a band called Dead Blessings in high school. Fun fact. Swamp Thing. Uh, Deadly Friend, The Serpent and the Rainbow, which I think is fucking metal, Shocker, uh, and of course all the subtitles to like all the fucking nightmares and shit like that. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna call upon, upon a Burning Body and Seek and Strike Records, and we're gonna tell them to scrap everything they have because we're doing that. <laughs> we're doing Wes Craven, baby. <laughs> all right, so what, who's your next one? Uh, my second one is David Lynch. So we got Twin Peaks, we got Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, Eraserhead, The Elephant Man. Wild at Heart and Lost Hallway. Highway. <laughs> okay. Huh. You got another one? Yeah, hold on. I got one more. I, I got I to gotta pull him up again. I'm sorry. Uh, shit. I'm forgetting his name. His name is slipping to me at the moment. Oh, my God. Think. He did that fucking fish movie that you hated. Oh, uh, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Toro. There you go. That I mean. fish, he did that fish movie you hated. <laughs> if you know anything about me, you know I fucking hate that fish movie. Yeah, you do. Uh, I, I could have said Pan's Labyrinth or fucking Mama or, or Hellboy. Know, Hellboy, and you probably would have understood it, but. That fucking fish movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Kronos. Mm-hmm. Mimic. Easy. Easy peasy. The Devil's Backbone. Uh huh. Hellboy, which oh, is, yeah. it will even work. Pan's Labyrinth. The Golden Army. Pacific Rim. Crimson Peak, which. Hello. Crap movie. <laughs> and uh, The Shape of Water. Okay, I like all those except the last one. Yeah, of course you do. So here's my last one. Uh, here's my last director, I should say. Uh, the big top dog in my world, Mr. Scorsese himself. We're oh, going to okay. do Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, The Departed, The Wolf of Wall Street, Shutter Island, Casino, Mean Streets, Gangs of New York, Aviator, and The Irishman. There you go. Waiting on that movie, my yeah, friends. I know you are. So yeah, man. That, we had some fun. That was fun. Uh, I don't it, think we got quite to... Well, your West Craven one was pretty close, but I don't think we got quite to that level that Upon a Burning Body did. You yeah. 
because yeah. they're, they're all their shit is fluid and makes sense definitely so yeah I, I like the Wes Craven one I think it's probably my favorite one but there's some good stuff out there man yeah but, maybe we just need to dig a little deeper yeah definitely definitely all right let's so, do uh we're doing a retro review this week we are so we're in music news and reviews and you want to do a retro review a what a one-year retrospective on under oath erase me yes all right daddy talk to me all right so uh, I might, I wanted to do this because I think in uh, as a, after a few listens the album gets better. And I don't know if that's like in a way where I'm like drunk and the ugly girl at the bar gets better looking. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I like it more as time goes on. So basically, I wrote a little bit of synopsis here. Uh, basically, the album opens up with a incredibly dynamic song that bears kind of the 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Like the mission statement for the album, right? Where all the instrumentation is uh, specifically laid out in a particular way, right? Um, it opens up with a kind of that awesome drum roll within that filter that sounds fucking like it's far away. I love that. Um, I want to give credit to, as far as the creative direction of the album, to somebody that doesn't get, I think, proper credit when it comes to Under Oath. Tim? No. Chris? 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 Chris, job Chris, was, the, Chris was the star of this album. Now, uh, if anybody you know knows Under Oath in the past, basically it's very a guitar-driven band, right? Uh, but with Chris, you know, normally doing kind of the background elements, a lot of these ideas are formulated from things that he created. All right. Um, and I think it shows that he's a great songwriter, that he has the opportunity to create something that is going to be new and dynamic. And it's going to take a band with a, a defined discography and kind of create something new. Um, now, as far as like, if you're going to compare it to other, other, under, other under oath albums, you'd be disappointed because it doesn't feel quite the same. But with that, it comes a level of maturity that they brought along with it. All right. Um, they decided that they were going to do something different from what they've done. That's why they got the, the, the producer that they that they got for it. Who produced this album? I forget his fucking name, but he doesn't do. He has done music like this in the past, mm-hmm. but then he transitioned over to like Ariana Grande and stuff like like One Direction and shit like that. And he told he came to them. He approached them. He's like, hey, it's been a long time since we've done this, since I've done an album like this. I want to do a great rock album. So they took him. Let me let me pull up his name and give him proper credit. Uh, he kind of took their ideas and filtered them in a different way because previously they went to Matt Goldman a lot. Matt Goldman being kind of the one of the 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 big names of like metalcore production, and um, he you know that, that influenced their sound. I'm not saying that he t- told them to change anything, but they knew what they were getting when they got Matt, and then they did Adam D, which you know who you're getting when you do Adam D and stuff like that, right? So. Um, with this, I think they have allowed themselves the opportunity to create something even more dynamic in the future because you're not going to be held back by the constraints of what previous Under Oath had with it. All right. Uh, now, like I said, I, I'm not going to say it's my favorite Under Oath album because it's absolutely not. However, if you walk open, walk with it to an open mind, you're going to be blown away with some of the musicianship that happens in this album. Uh, like I said, a lot of interesting production quality, synth stuff, uh, tirelessly, tirelessly put together so they could do a great job and make good songs. There's standout tracks, obviously on my teeth is a standout track. Uh, no frame. All right. is a great song. Um, I gave up like, there's a lot of great songs on here, uh, in motion, everything that you'll want from an under oath band or an under oath song moving forward is all represented in different forms here. And I think they did a great job. And if I had to... Give it a number because that's how we do this. Uh, it's it's an eight. 
it's an eight for me. That's a great album. I love it. And, uh, and what was your original rating? Like a seven? I think it was like a seven, maybe six, six point five seven. I think. Very cool. And I love it. And I think they did a great job. Excellent. So I went ahead and I re-listened to this album a couple of times, and uh, I don't think my opinion changed of it. I think this is, to me at least, a an album that doesn't do anything for me. Now you know me. I don't like to brush things off to the side because there is a lot of good stuff that this album does. I think the instrumentality is the best that's ever been on Under Oath, and people are gonna like fucking chase me for that saying, but really. Uh, they really let their creative they, their creativeness shine through in this album and especially with the guitar work and uh, Chris's keyboard work it was fucking phenomenal he really kind of led the instrumental show and you hear it with those big synth waves and the prettiness of it and he adds a lot of um, dark tones and then he can add a lot of light tones you know you, you could have like that stick stickly that prettiness to it or you can have that deep bellowing like movie like you know what I mean um, that being said I believe the exact term they used when they were recording this album was uh, Spencer said something along the lines of, we didn't want to go into this thinking this isn't under oath enough. They just wanted to go in and write an album with no kind of restrictions, no metal blockage. And I really respect that of an artist. And some people do it well, others don't. I think under oath pulled it off. And they separated themselves many moons ago from Christian metalcore, but... That being said, the fans haven't. They still think of them, you know, when they dropped the F-bomb and whatever track it was, people were freaking out. On my teeth. And I think I think the fans are the worst part about this album. Yeah. And because, I mean, a lot of the statements we said a year ago hold up still to this day. The single choices were not proper yeah. for what this album represented. The That whole F-bomb thing, like, come on, guys. We're all grown-ass people now, you yeah. know? And there's a lot of kind of pressure that was on them. And they stuck to their guns. Stick to your guns. That's why I won. And it shows. And I don't hate this album. It still doesn't do anything for me because, I don't know, it just doesn't... It, it's it's missing something that I enjoy. But that being said, it is a gorgeously produced album. It is very dressed up. It's like... you Did you go to prom? Yes. You remember seeing like some girl that was always like really quiet in class and then she got all maked up and had a nice dress on. You're like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this album is. And I feel like that's a good representation because these guys have been hiding for what, five, six years before this album. Mm-hmm. And they came back strong and you know, they might just get lucky tonight at the prom. <laughs> His name is Matt Squire, by the way. What's the- Matt Squire. Excellent. Yeah. So yeah, that was our retro review. Do you have something you want to do for next, uh, next week for retro review wise? Yeah. It could be a movie. It could be anything that you want. Hmm. That's a good question. Actually. Actually, yeah, let's do a retro review. It's going to be a retro review for me, but it's going to be something new for you. We're going to do it as Blood Runs Black Allegiance because I want you to sit down and listen to this album in its entirety. Okay. Well, let, me, let me download it right now for you. I so. know I speak highly of these guys, but when you hear it, you'll know. When wow. you hear it, you'll know. They don't, got a, they don't even have a picture on, uh, on Apple Music. They've went through so many member changes. It's disgusting. Oh, speaking of member changes, I want to get a strife chug chug for real. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty gruesome. Okay. Speaking of membership changes, I just want to give a quick little shout out to Rammstein. They're the German metal band we've known and love. And if you remember when the Duhas video came out, you're qualified Ooh. for a senior discount. Um, that being said, <laughs> in the 25 years that they've been a band, not a single member change has happened. And you got to give credit where it's due because they're still relevant just as the day they were when they dropped Duhast. And really? yeah, I just want to give a quick little shout out because they're working on something new right now and oh. they're always pushing the limits. Cool. All right. All right. Speaking what of, is next? Let's talk about this weird ass tour of that. Uh, okay. What is, okay. So this is 2008 again. I want you to put yourself in that mind frame, right? Sure. Stickly is on the radio. No, no it's, it's never <laughs> um, so Blink-182 and Lil Wayne are doing a tour together. Okay. It is still 2008. <laughs> 
I don't know, man. This feels 10 years too late. It does. I uh, don't give a shit about either of these artists at this point. I mean, I could honestly say I've never really given a shit about any of them in, like ever. But I think it's funny. I think uh, it's gotten to the point where both of these guys have become kind of legacy acts where they could just fucking do whatever they want and nobody cares. I just think that you're going to see a lot of people our age at this show and dusting off their Cookie Monster snapbacks. And coming out for Lil Wayne and Blink-182, I don't know, man. It just feels kind of... It, it's a good attempt. I'll give it that. I think it's a, it's an okay lineup. Because if you listen to one, you probably listen to the other in your youth, right? For can, mo- I mean, most of the people, I think that's a fair statement. I mean, I think you've eliminated... Yeah, I mean, I think just by the fact that I didn't really listen to either, you, you're right by the very nature of that. You know, right. I listen to both. I know a lot of people that did, too. It was a pretty common occurrence. But, you know, w- what next? Are we going to have American Pie Reunion? Yeah, sure. Another one? <laughs> they already, yeah, they already did that. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like they're trying to get a second wind. Yeah. And it's so desperately shows in this tour. With that being said, you're probably going to hear all of your old favorites again. So if you're going to go, by all means go, man. It's your I guess. All right, moving along. So we have of, a proper tour this time. Yeah, speaking of tours that uh, you know that want to replace the Warp Tour, granted, this is just like a, you know, you know it's three bands. Uh, Miss May I, which is doing Monument. In full, um, the word alive is doing deceiver in full, and thousand below, which is one of our most you trinity. Know, yeah, the one of the holy trinity. Uh, it's going on tour together, and I think it's gonna be good. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like a solid lineup. They all kind of work together. The sound meshes pretty well. Yeah, probably gonna get a lot of features on the uh, on some songs here and there. Yeah, I just feel the need to 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 point out these little tours as as time goes on because we get a, we're definitely getting a lot more of them than we've gotten in the past, so, and obviously for obvious reasons. But absolutely. Yeah, I just want to point these things so out. So before we get into this chungus of a topic next, I want to do a quick little recap on last night. So open air uh, was canceled due to the weather. And so a lot of our hardcore buddies got together and said, hey, we're doing a show at the Metro. It's $10 lineup. And on six hours notice, ten, a thousand people showed up and it was, I, I didn't go. You and I didn't go because I was waiting for you to say something. You were waiting for me to say something. And I feel like we were both in that mindset like, uh, I could go, but I could not go. But if he says something, I'm driving. And, you know, I just thought it was funny. We came to that realization that we were waiting for the other guy to say something. Well, because I, I told... Because uh, I was like, man, I really want to go, and Adrian's like, "We'll go." I'm like, "Well, I don't, I don't want a volunteer game to drive me to <laughs> drive me to the metro." I same story with Maddie. I was like, "Man, I really want to go." She's like, "Well, ask if Jake will come with you." I was like, "I don't know. He has the kid and stuff. I don't want to like force him out of his house." <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, there's two different arguments of the spectrum. But so yeah, uh, basically the lineup because the people who got who got skipped at, at uh, open air yesterday was three of these bands got chipped. Yeah, three three of these bands got, got skipped because of the weather. So uh, bottom up. Vane, yep. Harm's Way. Who was not on the bill for open air, but keep yep. going. Knocked Loose, uh-huh. Code Orange. Yeah. That is... Nasty, dude. $10. That is the, I would have paid $10 for any one of these guys. I'd pay probably $40 for any one of those guys. That's pretty maybe outside. Grimy. Maybe outside of uh, Harm's Way, I think I'd pay 40 for any of them. That is disgusting, my friends. Yeah. Who, uh, who do you think? You think uh, Brian Garris called up Jamie from Knock Loose? He was like, hey, Metro, 1130 tonight. They're probably, no, they're probably just sitting in the parking lot at the open air, locking on the bus. Like, yo, I have a friend at the Metro who says we can run tonight. Okay, cool. Let's fucking go. Yeah, and man. They that went. is grimy, disgusting. I saw footage. It was, oh, yeah, no dude. barrier show either. And it started at fucking midnight. Yeah. Man, that shit was fucking great. I, I, I mean, I'm glad because I think you and I would both have black eyes right now. If, uh, some we, broken ribs. We, yeah, we, if we went because... That's a level of grime that I don't think I could keep up with no more. <laughs> but uh, if you went last night, let us know how it was. You can yeah. tag us on Twitter. Show us your black eyes and your broken ribs because we get a good kick out of that. Absolutely. That being said, um, 
the hardcore scene is great, and I love that we're seeing a lot of this camaraderie between groups. Not even the hardcore scene, just music in general. I love it. But now let's talk about the big boy. Slipknot yeah. dropped a single this week called Unsainted. They dropped the full mask reveals and uh, the music video for the song. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Well, they, not only did they do that, they announced the, the whole new album. They got the whole track list out. Which, oh, oh, yeah, the track list. We what, knew the album was coming. Yeah, which All Out Life, which is not on the album. Weird. Yeah, which you is, think it was a one-off single? Well, it was, well, it was a one-off single, obviously, but the line that is the title, We Are Not Your Kind, is from All That's Out something. Life. Yeah, so I thought it was kind of a weird thing. <clears throat> it's an interesting song title or album title. Um, <clears throat> well, let's talk about... Let's talk about the song first and foremost. Yeah, let's do the song first and foremost. Okay, if you would have told me that this song is a bonus track or a B-side off of All Hope Is Gone, I would have totally believed you. Oh, no. No, no, that's not a bad thing. (laughs) I actually quite enjoy this song. I think that... I think that if they dropped this single before they dropped All Out Life, we'd be in a very different Slipknot boat right now mm-hmm. because this is the shit I like. This is the shit I enjoy. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, production is good. Yes. Um, Slipknot has learned it and they've mastered it. Yes. Their production has been on point since I'd say volume three, really. Yeah. Um, what else is noticeable? Corey Taylor does the Corey Taylor thing, but let's talk about everybody else. So we've gone through three guys that have been kicked out or you know other circumstances being Chris Fenn. He's out. Corey Taylor, or I'm so what the fuck am I saying? Joey Jordison kicked out a while ago, and Paul Gray, obviously, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Um, there's still nine guys. So yeah. obviously they replaced Chris Fenn. Um, obviously Joey Jordison's been replaced and uh, Paul Gray's been replaced, right? But I just thought it was kind of quick with the whole Chris Fenn situation. Yeah. Um now obviously the last time this happened is the last album was when uh, Jay Weinberg and Alex, I forget I don't know how to say his last name, but something like Swedish. The V, yeah. Yeah, Swedish or something like that. I think it's Alesso. Yeah, something like that. Um, when that came out, they were trying to keep their 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 identity secret, kind of just down to, low. Yeah, yeah, just to you know do the thing because it's all about the music. That's what something's always been about, right? But obviously, uh, <laughs> the fans are nuts because they were able to pick out the fact that the hand tattoos on Alex were a hand were the same exact hand tattoos from a tech for Mashuga. Or something like that. Wow. They were able to like, hey, that's those are the same hand tattoos that the tech from Meshuggah has. So they were able to pick that out. Now, Jay Weinberg's situation, he was called out or it was spoiled by the band that he left, the Joint Slutner, which was against me. The singer who was a uh, you know transgendered individual, uh, she called him out. On it and be like, well, he fucking left the band. Was it was it Jay Weinberg of Slipknot or was it Avenged Sevenfold's replacement drummer that uh they just had him come in and they're like yeah you know play some drums for us blah 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 and they're like yeah we like you oh by the way the band you're auditioning for is uh slipknot or was that event seven i can't remember which band it was, it was one of those know. two i don't know which one but uh i like I, him i think i think he knew he's a, he's a great drummer i mean it's, it's no lie Phenomenal. but um so the track let's get back to the music yeah, here at hand right uh the percussion is in your face as always um the main percussion the drum set is kind of toned down from the joey jerson vibe i don't gotta go over that at all Mick Thompson, James Root. Wow, what a fucking phenomenal job. This is probably the best guitar work since All Hope Is Gone, really. Um, There's a lot of notable guitar tracks or standout guitar tracks on there. I love this work. Sid fucking Wilson. Yeah, man. Wow. All right, so it took us 20 years to learn how to properly integrate a DJ into a nine-piece metal band. And it's it's not even just Sid, dude. Fucking Craig did his thing. Craig Jones was fucking involved, too. But it it, it felt, for the first time, (laughs) it felt good and natural. Yeah. It didn't feel forced, and it kind of worked with that weird kind of breakdown thing they did. Yeah. And I loved it. And it took 20 years, but goddammit, we're here. This track is really good. Yep. My only... 
I don't I don't even really want to call it a gripe. Here's my thing. If you are a first two album only Slipknot kind of guy, maybe this won't be up your boat. But if you overall enjoy their discography and what they've done, this is definitely a song you don't want to miss. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, I agree basically with everything you said wholeheartedly. Now, obviously, a lot of the flag coming from the, you know, from the community, so to speak, it has a lot to do with the chorus because they feel like it's very Stone Sour-y, which, yeah, two of the fucking guys from Stone Sour are in who, fucking Slipknot. Huh, who would have thunk it? Yeah, there's, there's going to be some similarities there. I'm sorry. And, but I don't think it's – it never, to me, crossed my mind that this is a Stone Sour song. It never did. No. Um, the chorus is it's, it's extremely fucking catchy. I think the radio is going to love it if we had rock radio, but we don't. But, um, you know, I think the radio stations are going to love it. I think Corey gives probably one of his better vocal performances in recent memory. Yep. He did a great job. I mean, fucking, like you said, the guitars were on point. Um, so, like you said, surprised that they replaced Chris so fast. Didn't think they would. I thought they were just going. It's been what three weeks since we reported on that. Yeah, it's gonna. I thought they would, you know, just go continue with Clown and have it be down to eight. But I told Adriana, I'm like, yeah, I counted it up. It was nine. I was yeah. like, holy shit! Inside the eight doesn't ring as well as inside the nine. I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean, um, the this, this, the the track is phenomenal. I I've, I've literally have had it on replay basically all weekend. I fucking love it. I think it's a great job. Elisana loves it. She's a big fan of it, so that's, that's a good sign. That's important. I was actually about to mention that, that this is the first Slipknot song in a very long time that I've had on repeat and I've very consistently listened to. Yeah. That is a good sign of the times. Let's talk masks, because I love this generation of masks. Do you? Uh, I do. I think they're super interesting. Obviously, James Root and uh, Mick Thompson, their masks don't change much over the years. Well, James changed a little bit. He removed the, 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 the zipper face thing. Yeah, he removed that, and the star changed a little bit. He He's had some change. Mick has been... Just shapes. Yeah. Shape changes on his. Yeah, those two I'd say are probably the most constant. The one I love the most is Corey Taylor's mask. The, People like the, hate that thing. I love it. I think I love it looks it too. great. That like upper half and with the robe covering him, I look. I think he looks like an occultist, which I, probably what he was going for, right? Yeah. Uh great look on that. Probably a lot more jaw freedom because I remember when they were doing the volume three and the 9.0 live stuff. He couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't sing through that uh, leather face mask. Yeah. That was really good. Um. I think the one I didn't like was Sid Wilson's because it's just a hood, I believe. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell what was going on with that. I, I'm not sure if that's a, like a fleshy mask, or if it's actually in front his of, face. or if it's actually his face. Because I don't know, he could be ugly. We don't know, but uh, he's pretty ugly. <laughs> he's uh, you know, I just thought that was kind of a, a bit of a cop out. No, I agree. Clown's mask is okay. I think the chrome kind of works. Feels it, very twisted metal. It doesn't matter because he's gonna change it seven times in this life cycle anyways, because he always does. Yeah, he always, I, it was yeah. pretty standard. Um, who else? Who else? The bassist, well, um, Alex's. I like mask. this mask. Very cool, very intricate. I, I wasn't big on the percu- the new percussionist because he looked like a burn victim. And that he was- looked like the dude who was hung up on point five. The great chapter, the last album. Yeah, I can a little see that. bit. I can see that. It's an okay mask, but I think the standout ones really kind of pull it all together. Yeah, uh, I I like that they actually gave Alex and Jay their own mask this time because last time. They kind of gave them like this potato sack looking kind yeah, of a thing. I remember that. Both of them had kind of the same kind of structure. This time, they gave them a little bit more character. Jay's mask kind of looks like Paul's old mask with the with the mouth. Mm-hmm. It looked cool, man. I mean, I like the mask. Like I said, the internet being fucking fil- a cesspool of bullshit, like pe- freaking out about Corey's mask. He looks like the Joker, which I like. You said it's kind of. I don't think he does look like the Joker. Well, they, they said because the hair and the the jacket and all that, which well, I love. Nobody called him the Joker when. He had the leather face mask and the rainbow hair. Yeah. Okay. And I fucking and I love the fucking jacket. The jacket's oh, fucking great. It's fucking sick. So I, good. I would buy it if I. Did could. you see the the pants that they wear? Yeah. It's like these slim black pants with the 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 whatever the ninogram. Yeah, yeah. On the thigh, it does. so yeah. sick. It's definitely it's definitely cool. Um, now, so the mask, the representation is all good. 
I'm not big on the music video. I like aspects of the music video. I just I don't like it. I mean, again, I you don't know, like it as a whole. I know the whole point is to kind of demonstrate what the masks look like and kind of you to see what they look like. But um, I think it was just very I don't like them putting the, the, the you know, the face in front of images that are just randomized and shit like that. I don't I don't know. I wasn't sold on it. Here's my thing. You were there in the early days of Danger Wild Man where let's play in a fucking graveyard and this bitch is a ghost and stick stickly where if you're walking in a field together, like you the, must be a band. By right? the way, this is like the fourth time you re- you've referenced stick stickly in this All podcast. Right. Whatever. It's, it's got to be a record. Um, I guess you could tell what I've been listening to recently, right? No shit. But, but here's the thing. Slipknot has always done music videos very very well like stand out well from all the other guys especially when we're in that like 2005 to 2014 era where bands didn't know how to fucking make music videos it was let's play in a field let's play in a warehouse or let's do let's take a let's take a leap of faith like i think the one of the better music videos that came out at that time was mammoth for the devil wears prada because it was so good but even then it wasn't super high production super high quality it was kind of budgety right mm-hmm. slipknot has always done music videos well and i like this and i get that it was a mass show off at the end of the day right they just mm-hmm. wanted to show everything off i kind of like clown's direction on it it wasn't very um it was very artsy is what i'm kind of getting at here and i like that coming from him uh that being said i i do appreciate what they've done and i do appreciate that we've come to this point in our lives where w- a lot of us are excited for that mask reveal you know like yeah. who who to thunk it you know, who would have thunk it 10 years ago? They'd be like, oh, I wonder what the new masks look like. Yeah. But no, it, this is something we're discussing. It's definitely a part of the the whole uh, package. The lore, the, yeah. being a maggot. Yeah, it's all it's part of the whole deal. And um, overall, like I said, I like the mask. But like as far as like a, they could have, like Psychosocial did a great job of demonstrating those masks. But it didn't feel like they were, that's, that was that the That didn't purpose. feel like we're playing in a field music video, even though it was at yeah. the end of the day, yeah. right? And I'm saying it was a great way of presenting the mask to you because they kind of went through everybody individually and gave them the moment. But this one was like, like you said, just kind of a strictly just the mask moment. And oh, yeah, by the way, we have this creepy old lady who's following Corey around. I love that creepy old lady. Yeah, I know you do. Proper. But uh, but then they had the awesome moment at the end where uh, Corey lights his statue on fire, which I thought was fucking dope. And uh, I thought it was fucking good. And I don't give a fuck what the Internet says. I think it's a great job. And uh, if you want Iowa and Slipknot era Slipknot, it's always there. Turn it on. It's it's always there. And you got bands like Vane now that are emulating that stuff. By yeah. all means, check out Vane. Yeah. But Slipknot has done been there, done that. Now they're doing newer stuff, better stuff. I am back on board for this album. Me I too. know we had our thoughts and our doubts and our worries. But when Corey and Sean said many months ago that this is going to be much heavier than what we've done before, I'm enticed to believe them and i i have a very strong feeling that this single we got isn't gonna taste. be the heaviest yeah. no i agree i think uh, it's just to kind of uh just show you that what they're capable of doing at this particular time and the next one maybe the next single the single after that would be like the one we're like all right this is where we fucking go because well, we get it in august so we yeah. got what three months out yeah a little less than because it's the beginning of august um following slipknot traditions what is the first song on that album do you have the set list on you or the track list i should say uh, let me see because if you've been following Slipknot, you know that the first song on the album is usually this like weird intro song that's like a minute or two long. It's just weird fucking noises. It's called Insert Coin, which sounds like... I love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm already on board. Yeah. Insert Coin. Yeah, Insert Coin is what Give me called. creepy arcade noises and, and a clown laughing in the background. We're rocking and rolling. It's 14 songs on this album. That's thick. Yeah, that's pretty. That's very thick compared to some of the stuff and we well, recently. Let's go over the the track list. Sure. Uh, insert insert coin on Sainted was the kind of guess the opening track. Birth of Cruel, which is a great name. Uh, death because of death, which I it's kind of lame, but okay. Nero Forte. Nero Forte, I like that. Uh, Critical Darling, Liar's Funeral, Red Flag, 
What's next? Spiders, which you got to have a random object because Slipknot does that, like scissors. And they just pick random objects that begin with S to end with that. You know what I mean? That's what this is. Uh, you got to have the red, random uh, objective adjective to the like purity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, orphan, my pain, not not long for this world, and soul, Solway Firth. Solway Firth. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But like I said, I'm back on board with this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. And uh, oh, man, like you said, when's the last time you've been excited for a Slipknot album? So here we go. I know I wasn't for the last one. Yeah, I was very. I mean, I liked the negative one. I thought it was okay. And uh, I liked uh, Devil and I. But other than that. Whoa, has it been a full 10 years since we've been like truly excited for a Slipknot album? I think so, yeah. Since All Hope is Gone, right? Yeah. It even, Two, that was 2009. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, man. Should we do a 10 year on that? Mm, maybe. Mm. When did that come out? Well, let me see. He's checking dates. Slipknot. I want, I want to say it was July-ish. It does. It strikes me as before summer, so I could be. You could be right with that. Hold on. Oh no. What'd you do? Did you break it? Oh, that's sad. Uh, this is breaking. I guess somewhat breaking news. Sean Graham's daughter. Yeah, Sean Graham's daughter passed yep. away. That's sad. At twenty-two last weekend. It's real sad. Jesus Christ. Uh, no, well, now I'm bummed out. Hold on. Sorry. He's looking. <laughs> Sorry. He's looking for all hope. August twentieth. So around the same time. Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Two thousand eight. Cool. Get ready for that ten years in review. Yep. The probably the after the album review. No. Like right yeah, after. that's gonna be good. August is gonna be a good month for us because we got our, Tarantino. We got the Slipknot album. We got the ten year. What and else we got? And that's our um, our highlight highlight week. Oh, nice. On Podbean, nice, so nice, nice. Be. So, all right. So. That was 118. 118, the Second City Kids podcast. You can go ahead and like us on all the usual places that you can find your podcast. We're, all, we're there. We exist in all of them, all right? Uh, we'll be here back next week for episode 119. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have a wide variety of things that we're going to cover. Gabe wants us to do a retro review of Allegiance by As Blood Runs Black, so you can expect that, and I'm sure a variety of other topics. Until then, 